bullshit, it's all just um gay politics. America's gotten kind of whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that, cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. I mean, are we gonna die? I don't know. I, I, you're extreme. I am extreme. It's all shit. Uh uh. This shit is bananas. B A A A A A S. This shit is Trumpanas. T R U M P A N A N A S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Hey everybody, welcome to Dumb Gay Politics. I'm Julie. And I'm Brandy. And this is the podcast where we talk about the week in politics, like we're talking about reality TV. And we're back, meow meow. Oh. After a glorious... A glorious week. Wonderful week off. Um, are there any highlights to your glorious week off? No, none. <laughs> not at all. Just not uh. doing the podcast. <laughs> We still did our Patreon podcast. We did. We did. We still were there. We always, always, always do our Patreon podcast. Yeah, we never right. miss that one. No, we always do. And they're always and They're not political. Not to get into promoting it right away. but <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they're just fun little stories. And this week, I mean, there was a lot. I feel like we, yeah, we still worked a lot. I had a secret project that I'll talk about on the Patreon. I won't talk about it here. You did some acting work. I did some acting work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. And, um, oh, I did laundry and I cleaned and I, you know what I mean? It was yeah. nice. It was nice. I had someone come out and see about putting a soft water system oh, in my home. Wonderful. You, you took the cat to the vet. <laughs> Just, you know, li- living the, the good life, really. But made appointments. Ultimately, I thought we were going to be able to skip Afghanistan. Oof. I just thought it was going to slide right Right. by. Nope. It turns out um, it really became a a heavy diaper, a heavy duty diaper of this entire episode. This entire episode's about Afghanistan. This entire episode. And I was like, wow, I really, uh, I really misjudged that. (laughs) Wow. And we even talked about it with each other, just even just in conversation. We couldn't even stop. Well, it's fun to talk about it. With each other, you know, <laughs> when it's not for work, it's it's True. fun. We just get to bitch mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and complain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yep, I just want to talk about like infrastructure and getting money and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. getting new things like shopping for America. Yeah. Sh- Ooh. You know, shopping for America. I want to fucking talk about. I know. Middle I know. I know. I know. But this is a huge, it's a huge deal. This episode is, is all Afghanistan 24 <laughs> seven. I mean, you know that we were, it's 20, it's 20. And this is a huge deal. Huge deal. Huge, it is a huge, deal. huge, huge, huge. And of course we won't get into it in a second, but of course it wasn't just a seamless situation. It was a horrendous, hideous situation. Well, we got some gifts. <laughs> Some things, you know, even in the darkness. <laughs> That's right. That's right. There's the light. Now, Aaron Cordova. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He is our Patreon boyfriend. Yes. He actually did our Patreon podcast. He gave us many, many piping hot cups of tea on mm-hmm. Demi Lovato. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He did a little Trisha Paytas mm-hmm, tea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That still, it's so familiar that what he told us about Trisha Paytas that I, I feel that it's my memory now. <laughs> I picture it in my own head as if it happened to me. I literally, literally thought I saw her driving on the five. That's how, even though it's not the same memory that Aaron Cordova was talking about, <laughs> because he had that thing happen. I'm like, I just, I saw a pink Bentley. Could that be her? And you didn't follow her? It was on this highway. Going yeah, the opposite yeah, direction. Oh, she was on the other side. So it could have been her going home. But if you had been on the same side, we're followed. Yeah. Following. It would have been stalking. It would have been trolling. It would have been like, I'm a cop. I'm a PI. Get me a donut and a coffee. Okay. You know what I mean? I was worried. Banana and the tailpipe. It would have been that. That you were going to let us down on the. Can you? Oh, no. It's like. It would have been all that. All that. Well, he sent us 
some Halloween treats mm. in August, as our boo does. He wrote to us and said, Hey, hotties, as soon as my B-Day passes in July, I consider it fall. So happy Halloween. Love, Aaron Cornova. Aaron Cordova, a.k.a. Aaron Cornova. Cornova. We've got Cornova. The Cornova virus. Cornova virus, yeah. Mm -hmm. Little did Aaron know his entire future was going to change when Wendy Williams said (laughs) Cornova virus. I mean, the entire trajectory of his entire life changed. Yep. Well, he got us a bunch of treats from Bath and Body Works. Mm. And I got to say, Aaron, you did send us a, a canister with little ghosts all over it that we are to put tiny little cute little <laughs> scented hand sanitizers in. <laughs> and Julie looked as if she saw a bowl of crack. <laughs> and I said, Meow, don't you touch these. I wanted it. It smelled good. I, I got a little drop out so I could feel it on my hand. Oh, it was like... um. It was thick and I could tell it would be moisturizing and it smelled nice and it would be hand sanitizer for the Cornova. They know I need it. The best smelling hand sanitizer, hands down. But you are off the sauce (laughs) strongly. You're on Lauren's little Nivea tins. Lauren, just so you know, Julie's on those Nivea tins. She's even gotten her own more so she can have them everywhere, melting everywhere in her car. (laughs) Now, and the Nivea tins are working on the back. They're working. I have one real problem area, but I'm I'm trying to be better. But you haven't been using any hand sanitizer. No, I haven't. You've just been Delta-ing it up. It's just awful. It's so hard. It's so hard. Well, thank you so much, Erin. We also got a candle. Oh, which we love. We're going to wait until... At least mid-September, Aaron. Yeah. yeah. At least. Yep. So, so sweet. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Lauren, uh-huh. of the Nivea Tin fame, <laughs> she sent us a box, okay? And I got it from the French, our French mail place. Mm-hmm. I don't always get the mail. We no. switch off. Yes. It's whatever, whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I got it. I just, usually I just leave all the packages and like, pictures and cards like in my trunk Mm -hmm. if if I end up getting it till I come over and then we open them together Mm -hmm. so I had them in my trunk Mm -hmm. and I was like do 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 (laughs) drinking vodka as you do Uh and when I was hung over the next day I remembered that one of the packages was from Lauren and I recognized her writing and I know she's from LA and I was like did she put some brookies in there (gasps) oh the brookies the brownie cookies if anyone is new to this podcast and hasn't heard us talk about the brookies (laughs) i mean the bit she but lauren you need to start a youtube channel making the brookies (laughs) you need to go be like brookies well hey guys welcome to my channel here's brookies on monday monday brookies i i don't know what to say about the. they were one of the best sweet things i've ever had i went out to my car hungover and still drunk to get the goddamn brookies mm-hmm. and opened the package, which is against the rules. Yes. I was like, honestly, I was like, fuck, Julie. I don't care. There's treats in here. I'm going to eat them. <laughs> I'm going to eat these brookies. I'll, I'll save her some. Uh-huh. And I was like, please, Lauren, please, just cookies, anything. I don't know. She likes to bake. It could have been anything. Could have been anything. But it wasn't any treats. No. Which was, I'm sure, for the best. Just mm-hmm. stay on the diet, yep. bitch. Just yep. stay on the diet. Mm-hmm. It was actually a box of curated Shit's Creek treats from Etsy. Which is is a treat. It was amazing. Yeah, amazing. And it pushed us to have to go watch Shit's Creek. We watched the first episode again because she got us a couple towels that mm-hmm. say, I have asked you thrice now for a towel. <laughs> and David says that in the first up. Uh, yes. And then she got us shot glasses, right, Mama? Which were fucking awesome. They're so cute. They're, They're so, so cute. cute. And it's all things from the very first episode, which is why yep. we just had to do it. We just Great. had to. Yep. First thing. We had to just watch it. And we couldn't and it even was take it. Glorious. I mean, it was like, you get murdered. No, you get murdered, David. No, you get murdered. No, you. And Lauren, we feel seen. Seen. Yeah. And it's funny because Etsy is ground zero for the Shits Creek yeah. merch. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm dying to get that love sweater, yes. the rainbow one. Mm-hmm. It's black with rainbow stars down the sleeves mm-hmm. and then a heart that says love. Mm-hmm. That's too on the nose for you. So I want to get you the black sweater that it just like has white lines that go down the front. It was one of the more subtle sweaters. That I have he to wore. go back and watch now yeah. more because but I have it in my mind's eye that I think I know what it is. Yeah. But we can't be getting you some fucking rainbow. No, that's too much. 
It's yeah. too much. If I walk down the street with anything with rainbow, it makes a splash. I've wanted that sweater for a while, but I can't decide, am I going baggy or fitting with the sweater? That's why I haven't gotten it yet. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Is it like a baggy moment? I think it is. You do? I think it's a baggy moment. Like a big baggy sweater. I think it's a baggy sweater. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. doing it like a 90s Yeah, because it says vibe. love, there's rainbow on. I don't know. Something about it that's like whimsical, so it'd be baggy. Well, she got me back on Etsy, just lurking hard, <laughs> lurking hard. Because uh-huh. there was a minute there where we were, I mean, of course, everybody, when you watch, when you watch Shit's Creek, you're just like, what, what can I buy? Can I all, yes. Yeah. <laughs> all Shit's Creek yep. stuff. Yep. So thank you so much, Lauren. I have asked you thrice now for a towel. <laughs> David. Now, Maricela Tenorio, mm-hmm. okay, oh, who's mm-hmm. our beautiful San Antonio princess. Uh-huh. She is. She sent us an updated postcard because if our 14 listeners didn't send updated postcards, we wouldn't have any postcards because we have 14 listeners. So that's (laughs) what's going on. So thank you, Maricela, for Mm. sending us a new. We have her old picture still up on the Drug Den Bulletin Board. It is her and her two puppas, Mm -hmm. chihuahuas, just (laughs) beaming and glowing in front of the Alamo. (laughs) It is in the almost in the center of Mm. the Drug Den Bulletin Board where it belongs. Uh She's. So fucking cute. She looks like a little doll holding two little... Yeah, little guys. Yeah, <laughs> little dolls. Yeah. Little dog dolls. Hey, guys. Uh, here's an updated picture of me and Chico. My previous pic also had my sweet Jake, who passed away in February of 2020 at almost 15 years old, along with the pic of me with you both from February 19 in Austin and a solo pic of Chico. Love your $2 Patreon supporter, Maricela. That's so nice. So nice, and her updated picture has a picture of us on it from when she came and we met her at, in, at the Austin show, which is great. And we're never mm. going to take down Jake. We're so no. happy we have Jake in front of the fucking Alamo. Yep. It's iconic. Yep. But I'm glad we got this updated pic. No, it's great. And that chihuahua is adorbs. And, and the chihuahua's wearing a rainbow thing. That's right. And it's funny that, rest in peace, Jake, but, mm. but he's on the drug den bulletin board, mm-hmm. and Jake is our drug dealer's name. <laughs> All right, now it's time for JoJo and Kiki. Lock the doors, lower the blinds, fire up the smoke machine, and put on your heels. Because I know exactly what we need. JoJo and Kiki. I want to have a Kiki. Lock the doors. Hey, JoJo and Kiki. Motherfucker. I'm going to let you have it. JoJo and Kiki. I want to have a Kiki. Die, turn, work. JoJo and Kiki. Okay, so (laughs) we had hoped taking our week off might allow us to sneak by and never even have to talk about what's going down in Afghanistan. (sighs) There's a virtue signaling parade going on across America because every single person knew the right thing to do and the right way to do it. Except apparently for Jojo and Kiki, who have become the de facto scapegoats for the indignant and offended virtue mafia. Well, turns out, sweetie, Jojo and Kiki are not (laughs) to blame for what's happening in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And even though we are going to do a shallow dive into the river of shit that leads directly (laughs) from the past four American presidents right into Afghanistan, they aren't responsible for what's happening there either. But why aren't they? Someone must be responsible, right, Mamel? <laughs> we have to have someone to blame or we can't signal how smart and empathetic and psychic we are. Well, there is someone to blame. Mm. It's just not Jojo and Kiki or the American military or the past four American presidents. Tell them who is to blame for what's happening in Afghanistan, Mamel. <sighs> Afghanistan. Correct. <laughs> Afghanistan. That's who's to blame. I mean, sorry. Are there innocent people there being victimized? Of course. And it sucks. But there are innocent people here being victimized by our shitty fucking two-party government (laughs) system, too. That happens everywhere. And here on this podcast, we blame Afghanistan. That's who we are mad at. So if you're hungry for Democrat bashing, turncoat, self-righteous, neoliberal, hypocrite energy, you've come to the wrong place (laughs) and you're going to go home hungry. So I recommend you turn this off and put on Chapo Trap House or The Daily, or better yet, go to www.patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics and subscribe to our Patreon podcast, where you can listen to us be insufferable about every other topic except for politics. Exactly. Oh, yep. There you go. Go, go, go. Shoo, shoo, shoo. Shoo, shoo, shoo away to, to the Patreon. Sorry. 
We're not mad at Jojo and Kiki for what's happening in Afghanistan. We're just not. And I've got a false spoken word op-ed coming up in the next segment, which is sure to offend <laughs> anyone who sticks around. So consider yourself trigger warned. Well, I think that's the best we can do, ma'am. Now we did two warnings <laughs> yep. in the last warning. 30 seconds. Warning. Warning. Yeah. We are not mad at Jojo. No. We're not mad at him. No. So, so. if you guys feel like you're just starting to get that feeling inside of like, <laughs> they are not what I thought they were going to be. Just turn it off. Just go. Meet us back here next week. Yeah. It's or, cool. It's okay. We can all have different feelings. Yeah. It's fine. Or meet us on the Patreon and you'll never right. have to hear us disagree <laughs> about this. But for now, this is what's going down and yeah. it's going down for the rest of the episode. And it's going down deep and it's going down hard. Yeah. Okay. And real quick, for anyone who's sticking around, uh, I guess because you're a masochist, and you f- if you feel like we're too easy on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, fine. We're aware. We were too easy on Obama, too, motherfucker. We like it. It's nice not feeling frustrated and annoyed all the time. It's nice believing that some of the people in charge aren't sociopathic assholes who pretend to love Jesus when all they care about is making money by any means necessary. And that's saying a lot coming from me. I'm the most materialistic person I know. And the most materialistic person I know. Thank you. <laughs> oh, but we do get mad at Jojo and Kiki. We do. We get annoyed that they bow down to pander douche Democrats like Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin, who help Republicans cock block any meaningful and profound legislation by hijacking the filibuster and using it as their own personal paper shredder. We get pissed that Joe Biden makes deals with them and allows them to control the entire Senate process and leaves Nance Pelosi to do the dirty work of making them bend to her iron motherfucking WAP will. There's five million representatives in the House. Nance Pelosi has the most liberal people in the history of Congress in the same caucus as Democrats who are so conservative they might as well be Republicans. And she puts those motherfuckers in check on the regular. And Joe Biden can't own two losers like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema in the Senate. Come on. Exactly. See, we do get annoyed. <laughs> we blame him for stuff. Yep. Just not Afghanistan. No. So right now, we're basically going to give a broad, generalized overview of what got us here for anyone like me who doesn't know, because again, like me, they never pay attention to anything that isn't on Bravo. (laughs) And this is all just so that we can pass the baton to Julie, who will take it and use it to beat the issue to death in her spoken word op-ed. And when we say death, I mean to death. Yeah. Like double dead. Yeah. Okay. You'll use the baton and your bare hands. And my all the bats. So just that's another warning. You are consider yourself fourth warned. We have now thrice warned you. <laughs> I, exactly. Okay. You exactly. have been thrice warned. So let's just start at 9-11. Okay. The terrorists who did 9-11, which was on September 11th, 2001, planned and executed the attack from Al-Qaeda bases in Afghanistan. At that point in 2001, before Mark Fuckerberg ruined all of our futures and our children's <laughs> futures and their children's futures... Mm. When a terrorist attack happened anywhere, we, as Americans collectively, blamed the terrorists. What a wonderful time to be alive. (laughs) And at that time, I had just moved to Southern California from Texas, and I can say definitively, people in Los Angeles hated George Bush. Every single person walking around L.A. who would open their mouths about politics hated George Bush. I'm Mm -hmm. sure there were people that were fans, but they didn't. They were in hiding like the Trump people here. They hid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They were furious about the hanging Chad and Jeb Bush in Florida and that Mm -hmm. whole fucking debacle. Mm -hmm. But despite the fact that the Bush administration clearly missed the key intelligence predicting (laughs) 9-11. And by the way, it was definitely there. Yeah. Democrats didn't blame George Bush Mm -hmm. or his administration. Mm -hmm. Pre-Twitter and pre-Facebook, terror attacks on democracies weren't partisan politics. They were terrorist attacks by disgusting assholes. But now, because of the Russian trolls and bots invading social media, even Blossom being named the new host of Jeopardy turns into a heinous political fight. Mm-hmm. Somehow this turned into my spoken word op-ed on America becoming a Russian-Chinese finger puppet via social media. That's what we're talking There you go. There's your fifth warning. Okay, so after September 11th, George Bush vowed to stamp out global terrorism. That was his whole thing. He wanted to stamp it out. He called on the Taliban, which was controlling most of Afghanistan at the time, to turn over the al-Qaeda leaders like Osama bin Laden, who were hiding out there. The Taliban said, yeah, baby, no, we aren't going to do that. 
So one week later, on September 18th, Congress authorized U.S. forces to go after those responsible for 9-11, but never explicitly declared war on Afghanistan. Because they were just, what, like terrorist groups, like, going wherever. Technically speaking, we've never been at war with Afghanistan. That is absolutely true. We are warring with the Taliban, technically speaking. But maybe we should have. Could this have been the first mistake? That's the problem with going back and looking at a problem once you know the outcome. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and that's not the last time we will say that today. Either way, George Bush said it was going to be a long and lengthy campaign, unlike anything we've ever seen. Did he mean 20 years, or did he mean five? Exactly. Because it's been knows? 20 now. Who really knows? It's been 20. So anyway, they sent the troops to Afghanistan. And for all of Bush's two terms, it was an ongoing fight with the Taliban who never gave up to this very motherfucking day. They never gave up. And I'll tell you this, if I may add something in watching the Taliban and understanding their missions, goals, their how they work. They literally say with their own words, we like dying. We don't mind it. We don't. It is a it is a it is a martyrdom for us. And it makes us feel that we are working for God. Literally, literally. They don't care about life at all. And they've proven that. Over and over and over and over and over again. So during that time, as we know, Bush's vice president, Dick Cheney, needed to make his Halliburton paper (laughs) boo-boo. So uh, they all pretended they found weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and that diverted attention and resources away from Afghanistan for a time. But all in all, by the time Bush left office in 2009, there were more than 30,000 troops in Afghanistan and the Taliban was staging a full-blown insurgency. Enter Barack Obama. (laughs) Now, when Obama got there, he was immediately pressured to add more troops to stop the Taliban, which was strengthening and attacking on the regular. Obama's vice president, Jojo Biden, made it clear he disagreed with sending more troops to Afghanistan, but Obama did it anyway and then set a deadline of 2011 for beginning the process of pulling the troops out. In a televised speech, Obama said that the additional troops would help the United States to transfer responsibility, this is important, to transfer responsibility of protecting their own country to the Afghans. But later, aides went on the record saying that Obama felt pressured by military commanders pushing a counterinsurgency strategy. Yeah, everyone and their fucking agenda on a war he inherited from Bush and the Republicans. So by mid-2010, there were over 100,000 American troops in Afghanistan. Quite the moneymaker. Quite the (laughs) moneymaker. In 2011, U.S. intelligence found bin Laden hiding in Pakistan, ironically, not even in Afghanistan, and killed his motherfucking ass. And then Obama announced he would start bringing troops home with the goal of handing off control fully back to the Afghan people by 2014. Well, that didn't happen. (laughs) Obama did pull the troops out steadily, and he tried to get a democracy going there, but it became clear to everyone that a Western-style democratic government was never going to happen there. So we basically became a military that was there to take out terrorists and keep the Taliban at bay. That was our role. A very, very expensive role. Supported by people who don't even want to spend a dollar on this country and exploited by people who won't protect their own country. Save it for your op-ed. I know there's so much in this that's in that. So we're just going to just good. It's good. It's good. We're going to bring it home. So by 2014, Obama had gotten it. So there were less than 10,000 U.S. troops in Afghanistan. And they were mainly there to train and assist the Afghan military. Obama did a lot. Okay, he did a lot. He got a lot of people out of there and he almost reached his goal. But at the end of his presidency, he felt the security was just too fragile to fully pull the troops out of there. And then we got Trump. So Trump campaigned on getting the troops out of Afghanistan immediately. He loved acting like Obama was a big fat (laughs) pussy who couldn't do it. And he was just going to roll in there and do it. And all of his disgusting followers and many Democrats, too, (laughs) loved it because no one, literally no one wanted us to be in Afghanistan indefinitely dealing with their fucking problems. No one. So then Trump, unfortunately, got elected and, of course, couldn't do it because he's the biggest fucking pussy to ever sign a bill in the Oval Office ever in the history of the Oval (laughs) Office. He didn't do any of the tentpole things he campaigned on. He didn't finish the wall. He didn't get rid of Obamacare and he didn't get out of Afghanistan. He's a loser. 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 Hugely. Bigly. You're right. And he is a pussy because he wanted to pull out of Afghanistan the entire four years he was president. 
but he couldn't stand up to the military generals and corporate warmongers funding his campaign. So he passed off the decision-making to the Pentagon, who, of course, love occupying territories. That's their bread and butter. Literally. How else can they justify the budget for shrimp scampi dinners and Peloton bikes in their gym? We realize this is all coming across very cynical, and we are fine with that. We saw the Pentagon budget. We saw it. Like, we saw the Pentagon budget, and we saw the picture of Mike Pompeo standing with the motherfucking Taliban. It's only going to get worse in your op It's going to get so much worse, yeah. and we're begging you now to, <laughs> to shut this Just off. Just turn this off. You need to turn Just this turn off, because you are not going to get what you want. Patreon.com slash politics. It's more fun. <laughs> I mean, this was really supposed to just be an explainer mm. segment, but we're too angry and overly opinionated to explain anything <laughs> to anyone. But let's keep explaining. So in February 2020, when he should have been worrying about and dealing with the fucking coronavirus, Trump made a deal with the Taliban. Because that sounds like something that's real. Exactly. He promised a full American withdrawal by May 2021 in exchange for guarantees that the Taliban would reduce the violence and cut ties with terrorist organizations, even though they are one. <laughs> but neither him nor his military commanders put any measures in place to ensure the Taliban would honor the deal. And according to the Pentagon, and everyone with eyes, they clearly didn't. The Taliban began gaining strength the minute the first American troops left Afghanistan under that deal. And it's not like they didn't know. They just didn't care. Everyone had a different reason for wanting it to implode. And it has. Mm -hmm. So then Trump lost the election and his fairy tale deal with the Taliban and the May deadline it rode in on <laughs> were passed along to Joe Biden. And I'd say it has officially imploded. <laughs> According to CNN, Biden was dealing with his team on Afghanistan before he was even inaugurated. He was obsessed with it. Mm. He's been wanting to get out of there since he was Obama's VP and he wasn't going to puss out now. So he moved the deadline to September 11th. The 20-year anniversary of the day that got us into this was the day he was going to have us out of it. I myself <laughs> love a grand gesture, I must say. Yeah. And guess what? He did it. Monday, the Pentagon announced that the last military planes had left Afghanistan. All total, the military got 122,000 people out of there. Supposedly, there are fewer than 250 American citizens left there who actively want to leave. Now, hopefully most of those people are already out of Afghanistan and they just aren't accounted for yet. It's a scary, fucked up place to be right now. It's awful. Horrible. Yeah, it really is. And it's sad. And it sucks that anyone is stuck there that doesn't want to be yep. there. It shouldn't be happening. We know that. But I blame the Taliban and the terrorists. I don't believe the violence happening there, even right this minute, is our fault. I just don't believe that. And you don't believe that. Mm -hmm. We don't. But regardless of who's to blame... We aren't responsible for it anymore. So <laughs> see you later. America wasted two decades, $2 trillion, and 2,000 lives in Afghanistan. And we are leaving it exactly the way we found it. Deadly chaos. Okay, now it's time for Julie to get ragey and probably repetitive in the spoken word op-ed. I said okay. The hipping, the hipping to the hip, hip hop. You don't stop the rocket to the bang, bang, bookie. Say up, jump the bookie to the rhythm of the bookie, the beat. Now, what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are gonna try to move your feet. See, I am Wonder Mike, and I'd like to say hello. But first, I gotta bang, bang the bogey to the bogey. Say up, jump the bogey to the bang, bang bogey. Let's rock. You don't stop. Rock the rhythm that will make your body rock. Well, so far, you've heard my voice, but I brought two friends along. And next on the mic is my man Hank. Come on, Hank, sing that song. Check it out. I'm the C.A. Sandy And the West is You see, I go by the code of the doctor of the mix and these reasons of Bell Y. You see, I six foot one, and it turns up on, and I dress to a teen. You see, I got more clothes than Muhammad. And I dress so viciously. Everybody go, oh, tell, mom, tell, what you gonna do today? Say what? Because I'm a get a line girl and get some spanking drive off and the death no Everybody go, hold, tell, mom, tell, holiday in. This is our new segment called Spoken Word Op-Ed, where one of us or a special guest has the floor to speak our mind on important events happening in the news right now. Some might argue that the entire podcast is like a spoken word op-ed, <laughs> and they'd be right. 
<laughs> Others might argue that we already have this segment for guests to give their unadulterated opinions, and it's called Gay Guys and Their Feelings, and they'd be right as well. But one, it's not a Tuesday if we aren't inventing new segments, and two, a traditional op-ed is generally longer than a regular opinion piece, which would be Gay Guys and Their Feelings, and they're usually by an expert or a passionate advocate with an opinion that may be different than the editorial board of the newspaper. In this case, it's Julie who is doing our second ever Dumb Gay Politics spoken word op-ed. She did the first as well. And while her opinion isn't necessarily different than mine on this subject, me being the other member of our editorial board besides her, her opinion on this subject is certainly a fuck of a lot more informed than mine. And it is most definitely, probably, perhaps, and most likely different than the majority of the lamestream and social media commentary on the subject. So without further ado, it's time to publish our second ever <laughs> spoken word op-ed entitled Biden and the Afghanistan Blame Game, written by Julie Goldman, <laughs> headlined by me. And this is your sixth warning. So if you're still here, it's really, it's really time to go. Get out while you still Get can. Get out while you still have any enjoyability of us. So you think we'll have like... Me five listeners or (laughs) somewhere between five and ten left when this is all said and done. Oh god. Well listen, gotta stand in the truth of the truth. So, and I hate to be uh, redundant, but we're gonna go over for anyone who uh, just checked out during the last segment (laughs) or you're back or whatever, you didn't you missed the timeline, I'm gonna go over it a little bit again, but in a little bit of a different way. It's been called the longest war. 20 years. America entered Afghanistan In 2001, the penetrator-in-chief at the time was George W. Bush, with whom, of course, we now think very differently of. Before Trump, he was a joke. After Trump, he's a delightful romantic comedy romp of which we long for. And then we got Obama, and the country experienced a real man for a minute, (laughs) who explained why he needed to go in deeper to Afghanistan for the main purposes of slowly pulling out. Right, ladies? Right? Am I right? Come on, gals. Come on. In 2014, Obama added 30,000 troops in order to start evacuating from Afghanistan and making sure their military and police and infrastructure were well-trained and ultimately hoping could handle it when we pulled out. That didn't work. Nope. We then suffered through the mushroom dick of Trump, who himself talked about pulling out, but of course stayed in because he's a liar and will tell you it's a finger when you know full well he's fucking you. So he went on and told us how it's time to end the war and he's going to bring our brave men and women home. And he's the only one who's going to end this long, 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 long war, which killed so many of our brave American servicemen and women. And those words, those words, our brave American servicemen and women are the words that Republicans have babies to. It's their aphrodisiac. It's their life's blood. The Republican and conservative chorus of bringing our troops home and the shitty job Obama did, even though he killed Osama bin Laden. But God forbid he get one ounce of credit and being able to sit in the trauma of our brave men and women while out of the other side of their mouths support a Muslim ban, want to pull out immediately of Syria and want all of our money to go to defense while sending all of our brave men and women into war. Or at the very least, unsafe situations where they get killed or traumatized and come home and where are the republicans then to help them the great great veterans nowhere they can't get enough of their echo chamber of bring the troops home except when a democrat actually does it their dicks have been so hard for the last 20 years but now all of a sudden they're going limp because they don't like how the troops are coming home and they're calling for biden's impeachment and it's egregious to say the least The hope for a normal Republican Party is over. If you're still a Republican, good luck to you in life. Warmest regards. Now, during Trump's reign and concerts of circle jerking and pretending he cared about the troops, what he did was send bloated Mike Pompeo to take a picture with one of the demons of the Taliban and seal the Faustian deal that Trump had made with them. Which, as we said before, was that he would eventually pull U.S. troops all the way out of Afghanistan, including in his deal was the release of every Taliban member that we had in prison. And he went ahead and let them all out because the Trump administration and the Taliban are nothing if they're not money grubbing stunt queens. Biden, as we know, has taken over and he, as we said before, had made the grand gesture of September 11th. Now, that extraction date, as we know, has changed to August 31st. Now, it's unclear 
as to what the details and the reason exactly why the September 11th date felt short, I can only imagine the level of terrorism we were threatened with. And ultimately, I think a real man understands when it's time to pull out, you pull out. And you gals know it's messy, it's inconvenient, and you got to clean it up. But I think you'd all agree it's better than getting pregnant or suffering through that horrible condom. But with that said, he did what a grown man does who has compassion and understanding and also has to face the tough, tough choice of knowing it's not easy to fight against what's comfortable and what feels good. He didn't take the easy road. He didn't put blame on anyone else. He looked at us all in the face and said, look, it's been 20 years, four presidents, and I'm not going to let another president deal with this. We need to let the Afghan people take over. And as we all did, and Biden assumed that with 20 years of work and deals and commitments and promises and training and military and infrastructure and money that we poured into that country and helped them rebuild, that the 300,000, 300,000 plus or minus of their own military, Afghan forces would fight against the 75,000 Taliban forces. May I say that again? 300,000 military men against 75,000 Taliban men. Now, I'm not much for men's and women's roles, but in a country that's defined by them, I'm going to go ahead and blame every male and man that is alive in Afghanistan for what is going on. Those cowards are to blame, not Biden, not even Trump. The 300,000 men who bent over and put their assholes in the air are to blame. What we're witnessing are scared children who I guess were so spoiled by their parents and weren't ready to be left alone. But at the same time, mama needed to go to work. Afghanistan itself is basically the most occupied war-torn country on the planet. Afghanistan is a landlocked country next to Pakistan and for centuries has been seen as a great passageway or middle ground in Asia. So if a country owned it, it would have a military vantage point and that is why over the courses of thousands of years, every empire has tried to occupy and own Afghanistan. But modern invasions include Britain, Russia, the Sikh Empire, which is part of India, and of course, the United States. But Russia was the main one in our lifetimes that really changed everything. Did you know that in the 60s, Kabul was apparently like Austin, Texas, that women were going to school, that it was a tiny European enclave in the Middle East? It was so secular to the point in that people enjoyed everyday freedom. And they were happy, relatively speaking, just like in Iran. And who came along to ruin it? Who? Anyone? Men. <laughs> the Russians tried to take them over, bring communism. This led to the freedom fighters who fought them off. They weaponized and utilized religion as a defense and an educator to separate groups and tribes. They were fractioning off in rural areas, which are like the compounds and gross fundamentalists here. After the Russians were fought off, all those gross men started banding together under the banner of Islamic law. People thought, however, after the Russians left, they would resume their normal lives that they would be okay, but they weren't. They now had to deal with a fundamentalist Islamic fuckbag group of men who started dismantling everyone's freedom, particularly the women. One woman described some of the atrocities, of course, such as rape, <laughs> that's easy, but a little something that we don't hear about that the Taliban does is to cut their breasts off. Oh my God. But I digress, it's Biden's fault. And why don't you chew on that before you send a letter about how offended you are about my lack of cultural sensitivity. <sighs> the country fell apart entirely, and the short of the long of it is Al-Qaeda, Osama bin Laden, the Taliban, and millions of religious fractions of men grew stronger. 9-11 happened, and now we're full circle, and America was in there, and we're finally fucking leaving. In the 20 years we helped make changes, women were back in parliament, going to school, showing their faces in public, people had businesses, and things were... Not completely normal, but they were experiencing freedoms and life and culture again with the help of the United States. With that said, it's important to note, had they just been left alone from the beginning, who knows where we'd be now? We lost countless soldiers' lives. We had help from Afghan people, which of course is what we keep hearing about on the news, the interpreters, the helpers. But to this day, we got out 122,000 people from that country, 122,000 people. And remember, 75,000 Taliban, 75,000. But we've airlifted out more people than are even in the Taliban. That says everything to me. Clearly, the majority of people wanted to live a secularized, if not religiously, reform life. But much like the Capitol rioters and the GOP, the minority somehow still rules the majority. Biden had given speeches starting in April about pulling out and how we had to see, well, what will what, 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 happen? 
How will the military do? How will the Afghan government do? We think they're going to be okay. We've set them up. We gave them the training. Did our hard work and lives we lost pay off? He believed in them. He believed in them. He believed all of our money and our hard work would pay off. But you know what? It didn't. It didn't. And I think Joe Biden is horrified and disappointed as we all should be. I'm quite sure there could have been better planning, but ultimately the Republican and conservative hand-wringing about how awful this is, how Biden needs to be impeached is fucking disgusting. It's divisive and it is not authentic. The same people who stood by Trump during a Muslim ban are so worried about the Afghan people? Go fuck yourself. What we're witnessing, in my opinion, is the consequence of years and years and years and years of war and occupation. It is the consequence of men who love war and power and use religion as their shield and weapon in order to keep dominance over women and over a society of who they feel has wronged them. You want to know what a country would look like if incels ran it? It's Afghanistan. Ooh, burn. It's a hard thing to, to try and express. And there's more, it's complicated. And at the end of the day, I should say that we're all to blame in a way, we in the world. Because what we're witnessing isn't just part of the past 20 years, and it's an extension of manhandling a country that cannot grow up. It is stuck in a medieval idea of religion and power and trauma because it cannot grow past the confines of everyone wanting to own them and control them. But the biggest offender are their very own men. The specifics, however, of dealing with refugees and the trauma of what we're witnessing and what these people have to go through has to be addressed and handled. And in my opinion, this isn't America's problem. This is the world's problem. Now, no one's going to see it like that. But as an American and a Democrat, I stand by Joe Biden. And I think this administration took extraordinary courage and sacrifice to face this and to go through this. I don't think they ever imagined the extreme immaturity and cowardice of the Afghan men. But here we are. So yes, we have a lot of work to do, just even so far as educating ourselves as to why we're here, why this is happening, and how we can deter it from happening somewhere else. The Republicans here are using this entire traumatic and awful event in an opportunistic, repulsive power grab, and not even with our own Taliban, who stormed the Capitol. Have they come together and shown this kind of courage and moral fortitude, or the level of outrage that they're pretending to feel during this? The media has also glommed on, and though we should be critical and analytical, their critique is absolutely backward and not placed in the right direction. I hate to say that I think this whole disgusting, awful, violent, horrifying, hideous event needs to happen. Without this happening, I don't know that anyone would be humbled enough to learn anything new. I'm not saying anyone's gonna, because history. But we are being given a huge curse and blessing here. If we don't jump in, we're really missing out. So what do we do? Now, in my opinion, the very first thing that needs to happen is the women need to be armed and trained immediately. The underground needs to begin and the women need to rise up and kill every single Taliban member and every man who is enabling them needs to step aside or do what he can to help them in that quest. There is no diplomacy with fanatics and mentally disturbed people. They got to go. And then we're going to see where we are. The women need to take over there. They just do. I'm not even saying the world should be run by women. God, no. Fuck, no. Okay, we that no, we need balance. If we the world was run by women, we'd be left with a passive aggressive, overly sensitive women's studies class mixed with the Megan McCain and Liz Cheney's who are so desperate for men's attention while feeling most comfortable in traditional values that it swings in the opposite direction. The key is balance, period, 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 period. So by no means, let that be said, I don't think women should rule the world. But Afghanistan has proven itself. The balance in the world, yes, it's tilted, and it sucks, and it's sad, and we're lucky to have all the privilege that we have. America has a lot of weight leaning to one side, but the blame here is clear, and it isn't the Biden administration. If I ask my parents for help in math, and they tutor me, and I fail the test, that's not their fault. That's mine. Maybe they weren't great tutors. Maybe they were. Either way, it's on me to pass or fail. On me. You can criticize the rush, the messes, the lack of organization. Yeah, it's messy. It's awful. I wholeheartedly believe there was no way around it, that leaving this country in any capacity, in no amount of organization, it was going to be a chaotic, horrible mess. There is no winning here. There was no leaving gracefully. There was no leaving respectfully. It's a dash to get people out, and it's frantic and awful. The women are left once again holding the hot potato and are going to get burned and burned and burned and burned. And I hope it stops here. I do. I hope they take those burns and rise up and take over their country and make all the changes that the men couldn't accomplish. And I hope through that they will find the balance that we all need. 
It's not colonization or Western ideals or any of that bullshit. It's balance. Men and women together under one Bible, if you will, called respect. And I think we all know, even those of us here who are still working on it, so for Afghanistan, who is in such an early struggle and still living in the Middle Ages, they have a long way to go. And we tried. We tried to help. And maybe we will help again. Maybe we won't. But what is going to play out is going to play out. And at this point, the only thing, the only thing that people should be yelling and should be rising up and should be getting on the rooftops and yelling is arm the women, arm the women, arm the motherfucking women. Now it's time for So There's That. All right. <laughs> so this is the part of the show where Julie, after all of that, has to find a So There's That moment that's happening because of or in spite of the incessant, existential, philosophical, and literal fighting going on all around us every day. Whether it's about housewives or the House of Representatives, we are all simping in someone's timeline and <laughs> mad at everyone who disagrees with us. It's a dark cycle that I myself get sucked into until I remember that it's being manufactured and perpetuated by trolls and shadow accounts that aren't even real people. In fact, it's one person masquerading as 100 people and then bots duplicating the tweets of those 100 fake accounts 100 times. And now you've suddenly got 10,000 tweets and only one single real human being behind them. Ugh. It's a sad, underpaid human being playing Candy Crush on their phone in a <laughs> warehouse in Moscow while posting quote-unquote opinions about American basketball or politics or YouTube influencers or Bravo shows or mask mandates or vaccines or Jeopardy hosts or Twitch dramas or TikTok dancers mm. or religious freedom or gun rights or mental health or pronouns. Opinions that these people have to put through a translate app to even be able to type in the first place. <laughs> it's so fucking depressing. I can't handle it. Many of these conversations need to happen, but they need to happen between real people who live in America <laughs> who are actually affected by these issues personally. And rather than find a way to ensure transparency online or find a way to prove an online identity and cut down on trolls and bots and shadow accounts, money-grubbing corporate America <laughs> did what they always do. They secretly dumped their toxic waste in the ocean and made their own troll farms. Farms that post fake reviews, fake outrage, fake support, or whatever it is that they need to keep their corporation going and successful. And that's why we all need Julie's So There's That every week. You're our hope <laughs> troll, Mamma. Our hope troll. Hope troll. That should be the new segment. Hope troll. <laughs> well, I needed to find something good after all that anger and yelling. And yeah. God. It really just brought up all, all of the the infighting here because it's it's right. just one of those things that that shines a microscope on what what goes on on social media and and then and like i said just understanding that more than half of the people in these arguments don't even exist and hey how about rather than i didn't say in the in the in the op-ed how about rather than blame 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 because it's always blame because it's always about their agenda and who's going to get votes and you want to keep your job and blah, 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 blah. how about like all banding together over this hideous thing that's going on and you can criticize criticize fine it was messy it was whatever but there could have been a banding together here there could have been a banding together with coronavirus with coronavirus too but no everything has to be my side your side my side and your that's side. because of social media right in the past there's that philosophy that if we don't have an outside enemy we become each other's enemy mm -hmm. and we always did and it was proven in 2001 because everybody Came who hated together. each other came together yeah. and now it's impossible coronavirus impossible. was the perfect yep. opportunity and now it's just gonna keep happening over and over <sighs> well well what'd you find for hope this week <laughs> so this this though this episode has been very intense and there's just been so many awful gross things this week <laughs> it was definitely hard to find something inspirational and this is just gonna be quick um, I was I was going to settle on Nancy Pelosi and her fucking kick assery beyond words and absolute queendom and her cunt crown, which should be revered and worshipped. But I didn't. 
I, I mean, didn't. Nancy Pelosi is up there with JoJo and Kiki. Oh I mean, just a queen just a beyond queen. measure. A queen. But I then stumbled upon this heartwarming and touching story, which did have me shed a little tear. It's hard to shed a tear when you're so angry, but then when the anger goes, you just get real sad. Oh, yeah. Because that's all anger is anyway. It's just yeah. sad. Now, in the middle of the gross pullout of Afghanistan and the messiness of the last few weeks, um, like I said, Biden is just getting beaten down. I just hate it. I just feel very protective of him. And if there's, and even if there's mistakes made, I know in my heart, I know in my heart he believed he was doing the right thing. I think and he still does. I think they walked back. Jen Psaki owns everyone. Yes. And I think they walk in the back and throw high fives. They're like, fuck yeah, we're out of yeah. there. We are yeah. out. Go fuck yourself, yes, everyone. Yes. And I do think that he has a heavy heart and I don't think he wants to lose any life. And I think he's sad about the people who are left behind or that they couldn't get or whatever. I do think that weighs on him. I do. And I think that that propels him. Every heavy heart feeling that he has, I think, has helped to propel him in being a better person and a better leader, which is why I like him so much as president, because I think he really, truly has emotion an emotional reaction to people. While motherfucking Jojo is dealing with infrastructure, fucking Afghanistan, these fucking cunts in the, in the briefing, you know what I mean? Yeah. All of it. S quietly behind the scenes, he signed the Pause Act. The Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Members for Veterans Therapy Act. Pause. Okay. This act, which he signed into law, requires the Department of Veterans Affairs to establish a five-year program to provide service dogs and training to veterans with PTSD. Oh, I've seen those commercials. Cut the shit. Have you seen those Try commercials? Try not to cry. Where it's like... Yes. Like the guy, he, he's depressed, then he gets the dog, and the dog changes his oh. life, and then he lost his leg, yep. and then they show it, and it's like just... So intense. It's beyond. And if you just any of these stories, and the, 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 the they are they're obsessed with these dogs. Okay, this is my best friend. This I can't I can't deal. I wonder if they would take the puppas. I mean, <laughs> why do you think they train a dog to become? It's like some dogs. You know, I'm not going to mention any names. They just might be too big of assholes to be in the program. They might, and you know that those dogs are generally labs. <laughs> German shepherds. Yeah, nice, imagine? loyal dogs. I would love if the Pee Wee became a fucking <laughs> therapy dog for veterans. Can you imagine? I mean, there's got to be chihuahuas because that would be cute because you can carry it. You can yeah, hold it. Yeah. And, you and know, they will bite a motherfucker and in they the will, eye for you. Yeah, and they will bite a motherfucker. Exactly. <laughs> the thing with this veteran stuff is, is really sad. And from 2005 to 2018, nearly 90,000 veterans killed themselves. Um 20 of 100 veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan, by the way, have PTSD. And the coronavirus for veterans had a specific... Um, oh, it was like a trigger. had a specific yeah. triggering effect yeah. on them. And that caused a lot of suicides. That's and a lot awful. of them are alone or, you know, there's, a, it, there's, there's just so much. And, of course, Trump was a liar again with the veterans and the veterans and the veterans. And he didn't do shit for the fucking veterans. And, of course, JoJo had to come in and be like, get the fuck out of the way let me do something and help these motherfucking people who of course he loves a veteran his fucking son is a veteran yeah and has also been through trauma and until exactly you've been through trauma like that it's like it's like we take these people and they just they're like they're like we treat them like garbage man it's ridiculous it is absolutely motherfucking ridiculous. so this bill has been circulating for years. Like the VA and other groups have been trying to make this happen. And the thing with therapy dogs is that they're expensive. So it's not that, that a veteran couldn't go get a therapy dog if one can afford it. This act is making it so they can get it for free. So oh, great. that's why it's so amazing. Um, and the thing with uh, support dogs, emotional support dogs, whatever, these service dogs, particularly trained for people with PTSD it absolutely lowers uh, suicidal behavior and they just have all sorts of research and data to show that it really saves these people's lives. Quote, we know service dogs are a proven life-changing and life-saving form of therapy for our veterans suffering from post-traumatic stress. This is Representative Mikey Sherrill from New Jersey. With this law, we are addressing the high cost barrier that prevents many from accessing these incredible dogs, he said. He's also a Navy veteran. And there, it is a high cost. It, it yeah, it's expensive. I mean... Under the law, the VA will partner with nonprofit organizations for a pilot program in which veterans will be able to train aspiring service dogs. The dogs will learn. Now, this is where I shed a tear. Let's see if I can even get through the sentence. Okay. The dogs will learn how to shield a veteran from an overwhelming crowd 
Oh. Or yeah. wake them up from having a nightmare. Oh, yeah. That's Wake so... them up from having a nightmare. That is so sweet. Oh, God. That got me. It still gets me. At the end of the program, the veteran trainers can adopt the dogs that they themselves oh, train. Because then that's also giving you purpose, too, is yep. to train the dogs. Yep. But then they can't have all the dogs. They have to give the dogs away to the other veterans. <laughs> exactly. That's right. This is a really cool and heartfelt program. It's so great, and I hope it works out for everyone involved. And I just want to thank Joe Biden for being the kind of man a lesbian can be proud of. So there's that. That's it for this episode of Dumb Gay Politics. Thank you guys for listening to our stupid podcast, our stupid, angry, angry, <laughs> angry podcast. We love and appreciate all 14 of you or any fraction thereof who have made it here to the end. If you're new here and you still like us after you heard that, um, but you'd rather not hear about politics, please consider checking out our Patreon podcast. Our Patreon podcasts are completely different than this. I would say we're still angry on a lot of them. Yeah, but no, it's a lot of rage. Yeah, there's no politics, no ads, no structure, no rules. And best of all, you'll never be pressured to join the Patreon. But unfortunately, that one isn't free. <laughs> no, it isn't, but it's only a dollar. You get one podcast a week for a dollar and two podcasts a week for two dollars. And when you sign up, you will immediately get access to our huge back catalog, which has hundreds of hours of stupid, stress-free, ad-free podcasts. Podcasts that are right at your fingertips whenever you want them. In fact, you don't even have to wait to sign up. If you want to hear one now to see what it's like before you commit, we have a free one posted that anyone can listen to anytime. Just go to patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics and scroll down to the locked podcasts until you get to the one called A Windows Up Sing Time. And then just press play. You can listen to the whole hour right there from your phone or computer. You don't even have to download anything or sign up for anything. And as always, it's been real and it's been fun. And it's, but mostly it's been gay and it's been dumb. And angry. Very angry. <laughs> very, very angry. Angry gay politics. Woo! How'd you do, I? See you've met my faithful handyman. He's just a little broad dime because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover. I'm not much of a man. By the light of day But by night I'm one hell of a lover I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania <laughs> Let me show you a rhyme Maybe play you a sign You look like you're both pretty grooving you want something visual that's not too abysmal we could take in an old steve reeves movie i'm glad we caught you at home could we use your phone we're both in a bit of a hurry right we'll just say where we are then go back to the car we don't want to be any worry well you got caught with a flat wheel how about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, it'll all seem all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic. I'm just a sweet transvestite. From transsexual Transylvania. Stay for the night. Night. Or maybe a bite. Night. I could show you my favorite obsession. I've been making a man with blonde hair and a tan. And he's good for relieving my tension. 
I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. Just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania So, come up to the lab And see what's on the slab I see you shiver with anticipation But maybe the rain is really to blame. So I'll remove the cause. <laughs> But not the symptom. <laughs> <laughs>